music, athletics, arts, and entertainment. The Desert Tiger Podcast with Colton Geschwagner. And that is me, your host with the most, your MC, your referee, whatever I can be, whatever I want to be, you know I'm going to strive for it, and you know I'm going to do it. My name's Colton G, and welcome to episode 21 of the Desert Tiger Podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to the DTP this week. Whatever you're listening on, whoever you are, wherever you're listening from, we don't care. We're just glad that you guys are tuning in, and we hope that you hit that subscribe button, and we hope that you rate and review the show because it helps us out so much. Today on episode 21 of the DTP, we have Kenny Lush of Daggermouth. We're going to sit down and talk with Kenny about how Daggermouth ended up getting their start. We're going to talk about the band's rise as they were touring from Rain City, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, all the way down to the California coast, playing backyards and house shows, and how they eventually built themselves up. We're going to talk about the two albums that the band ended up releasing, those being Stallone and Turf Wars. We're going to talk about the hiatus that the band ended up taking after about four to six years of playing music together and just having tough times on the road. We're also going to get into Kenny Lush's wrestling career. We're going to talk to Kenny about where he started wrestling, who trained him. We're going to talk to him about some of his experiences traveling around the world and wrestling in different places. We're going to talk to him about some of the people he has competed against, such as current NXT superstars Kyle O'Reilly and the Queen of Spades, Shayna Baszler. We're also going to talk to Kenny today a little bit about his Brazilian jiu-jitsu experience. And after all that, we still have some more for you as we're going to get into the return of Daggermouth. We're going to get into why the guys decided to get back together to play some shows. We're going to talk about their upcoming tour of the UK, which they always wanted to do but never had the chance to until now. And we're also going to talk about if Daggermouth is possibly thinking of recording in the future. So stay tuned for that. We're also going to get into some very interesting stories like why exactly does the Glendale Police Department hate Daggermouth so much? But before we can get into our interview with Kenny Lush, you know we gotta take care of a little bit of business, and we gotta play a little bit of music for you. So of course, that's what we're gonna do. Alright, first off, I wanna tell you guys about Collar and Elbow. Collar and Elbow is a streetwear company that is inspired by wrestling and was started by pro wrestler, ex-WWE superstar, ex-TNA wrestler, Al Snow. Al has trained all over the world. He has trained various different wrestlers. And he wants to help people show their love of professional wrestling. And he's doing that with his clothing company, Collar and Elbow. If you guys go to the Collar and Elbow web store right now and use the code DTP whenever you check out, you're going to go ahead and save yourself 10% on some pretty sick looking clothing. It's not even just for the wrestling fans. It's for people who want to wear something that looks cool. Maybe something a little bit different from what you're used to. So once again, if you go to the Collar and Elbow web store and use the code DTP, you get yourself 10% off. 
I also need to tell you guys about Audible. Audible is a great service and I use it myself all the time. When I'm on the road like I was this past weekend refing for RCW and actually meeting Al Snow himself and learning some tricks of the trade from him, I had Audible along on the road to keep me company cause 14 to 16 hours alone in a truck can get pretty tiring and sometimes having a good book to listen to really takes your mind off of things on those long drives. And if you guys go to www.audible.com slash DTP right now, Audible is going to go ahead and give you one free month of their service as well as one free audiobook to get you started. And if you guys enjoy the service, if you guys enjoy that audiobook and you decide to keep subscribing to the Audible service after that month, Audible is going to go ahead and hook you up for a second audiobook just for going to that www.audible.com DTP link. Just because they love us and we love you, they're going to go ahead and hook you up. So what is there to lose? Alright, so we should probably get into some music, right? We should probably get some headbanging going. We should probably get you guys ready to mosh, ready to roll. Get you guys in the mood to hear some interesting, exciting stories. So we're going to kick things off with Stevenson Mike can mosh to this, followed directly by I Can Dance to Trance in Garbage Bag Pants.
Desert Tiger Podcast. Hello? Hello. Hey, how are you? I am doing fantastic. <laughs> this you? is only the second... I'm good. This is only the second time I've ever used Skype, so no I'm worries, all like, what, what fucking button do I press and stuff? But... <laughs> you press yeah, the morning. right one. Yeah. <laughs> you you listened to the Men in Black, and you did not press the red button. Nope. That's what I, I pressed needed. That. That's what Green's I needed. always the one. I don't know. I hit something green. All right. Well, but, that was yeah. the correct option. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> all right so how are you doing man i'm doing good i'm doing good i'm just uh waking up i worked late last night so okay. just okay. waking up and i put some coffee on and put some ring of honor wrestling on the tv and i'm good to <laughs> yeah gotta love yeah. the roh yeah for sure definitely uh, yeah right, i don't I want to get into Dagger Mouth um, because you guys are getting into it, but I also want to get into your wrestling and a little bit about your uh, BJJ MMA background as well. Yeah, sure. Go for it. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, let's start. You guys all played in different bands before you ended up in Dagger Mouth. So how did Dagger Mouth end up coming together? Oh, in 2000 and. I guess we started around like 2004 or something like that, 2003, 2004. Uh-huh. And uh yeah, just at the time like Stu was uh Stu was playing in a like a screamo band called End This Week with Knives and I was playing in like a like a more like just straight up punk rock band at the time and uh no one no one really in the city was doing like fast kind of punk rock at that time and and one day Stu just came to my work i was working at a and b sound if you remember those <laughs> yeah and, uh, yeah and uh Stu just came in he's like hey do you want to start like a fast punk band and i'm like yeah dude let's do it and that's how it kind of started and he he already had the name picked out he said because i guess at the time he's a big family guy fan so he said yeah let's, e- let's either call it stewie sexy party or Daggermouth, and I was like, oh, I think Daggermouth sounds a bit better. So <laughs> that's <laughs> how that came. Might be able to get a little bit farther with Daggermouth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we didn't think it would like. We didn't plan on, you know, having kids all over the world. Like, you know, write us, and you know, we thought we were just going to play like two local shows, and that was it, right? And it yeah. just kind of. After our first tour, it just kind of snowballed from there, and. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. So do you want to get into how those opportunities came about, like your first tours and how you guys ended up getting signed by uh, Small Man? Yeah, Small Man did our second our second album. Yeah. Uh, Who did your first one? Did you guys uh, release one, that? Or? Uh, it was kind of weird. Our first one, we well, we, we did a demo. And we're like, okay, we got this demo CD. Let's let's book a tour. And I I literally went online, and there was this do-it-yourself punk rock website at the time called like Book Your Own Fucking Life. And I literally, <laughs> I literally like just started sending out emails and stuff, and and uh, ended up booking like a ten-day West Coast tour. Mm. And from there, we met a kid in Washington that was like, oh, I'm starting a record label. You should you know go in and record and i'll release it mm-hmm. so we gave it to this guy and he was a ended up being a 
sketchy. Like the album didn't come out on time. I found out like he ended up pressing the album, but yeah, there, I don't know. He had some drama in Seattle where he was from and he ended up taking off and he didn't send out like people pre-ordered the album. And you know, if you send $30, you get the album and a shirt and he didn't send anyone things. So out of our own money, we ended up having to like mail out shirts and fulfill all these. Yeah. So then, uh, Another label called State of Mind from uh, New York, like uh, Long Island, they wrote us. So we gave them, you know, we took back the rights or whatever and yeah. gave them the, the second album and or the first album. And he wanted to do the second album, too. So we ended up doing the second album with him. And nice. at, yeah, and at that time, you know we realized he wasn't really doing much either. So yeah, uh, small man came knocking around and was like, Oh, we should put it out in Canada. And you know, mm-hmm. small man at the time was a pretty big label with a pretty sweet roster of bands. Like Comeback kid and Monine, like they were the Canadian label at the time. So yeah, they did. They also had, yeah. um, Andrew Newfield's side project band at the time too. Uh, Sights and sounds. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Sites is, uh, they're actually recording a new album right now, so oh, I think in the... Oh, man, I am so excited to hear that. Yeah, they're going to do some more stuff in the new year, I believe. They just did a show in, like, Winnipeg or something, so they're they're slowly playing and stuff. It's all based on Comeback Kids' schedule, though, which is, like, always insane crazy, so... Always. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I tried getting, I tried getting, uh... Jeremy in person before I moved to BC, but it just never panned out because, like, I literally moved right yeah. before they came back from tour just to sit at home for a few days, and it was like, damn. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but I understand that. So, like, after that Western Canadian tour, did you guys just start touring, like, a lot, or did it take a little while before you guys started trying to tour it full time? No, that was kind of, that tour was like pretty eye-opening for us, and it wasn't Western Canada, we always had this theory that, like, always figured, okay, if you want to be in a band, and you live in Vancouver, like, you you could drive 12 hours and play one or two shows in between that, you know, you could maybe play Kelowna on the way to Alberta, right? Yeah. And it's it's like, you could do that giant 12-hour drive or whatever it is, or you can drive 12 hours and be in like San Francisco and literally play like a week worth of shows on the way down. So I, we always just toured the States. We didn't even tour Canada for a while. Yeah. Like, okay. So you did West coast USA. Yeah. And and that's why our first album's called Stallone because at the time we didn't have, uh, like work papers and stuff. And it was kind of before, it was kind of before the, border got super super strict and yeah so we we were going across and we had a fake recording contract and it said the name of the band and so we just called ourselves stallone <laughs> so that's, why, <laughs> that's why the first record is called stallone but yeah i, I kind of figure i don't know if it makes any sense or not but i was like listen if we if kids in la will like us then kids all over the world will like us like you either got to be super cool in toronto or you got to be super cool in in new york or you gotta be super cool in California. So let's just true. California's closest to us. So if if the kids on the message boards in LA are saying we're good, it, it, kids everywhere will think we're cool. So yeah, I don't know that no. was kind of my theory in two thousand and four. 
but yeah, it worked out rad. Like the shows were all like, you know, because at the time I think we had a MySpace up and the, you know, so kids knew some of the lyrics and stuff. It was kind of a like it was crazy a lot of the turnouts we had and stuff. So it was really, you know, we're like we let's get back down there and like two months or three months like the minute i got back i started booking another tour and <laughs> i think i think on that tour the second time down that's when we played like gilman street which is i don't know if you know that legendary venue in berkeley california where like green day started and you know all these bands like all the huge punk bands from the bay area all had like their first ever shows there huh yeah you can go into the yeah it's 924 gilman street and it's uh yeah, it's like probably the most legendary like punk rock venue. Holy. On West Side, yeah. I'm going to have to yeah. that up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. I think uh like that song uh 86 by Green Day was about mm-hmm. that place, I believe, because once you're on a major label, you're not allowed to play there anymore, so they got 86 from Gilman Street and then I found out I think the rumor is now they have a new sound system and uh supposedly Billy Joe from Green Day bought the new sound system for the club and everything. <laughs> so huh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's a cool venue. Check out the history Dang of it. Views. I'm definitely yeah. gonna have to. So, yeah. Ah, so like you guys ended up naming your second album Turf Wars. Is that sort of like with the idea of Stallone still in mind or <laughs> No, no, Turf War I forget. I think we were just like big fans of the movie the warriors at the time I'm, that's still one of my favorite yeah. movies so i think that's why a lot of the shit i don't know if you notice our song titles and stuff they don't really make a lot of sense and they're just you know we'll have a few beers in us and come up with an inside joke and we'll laugh yeah, well, that was the thing. early 2000s <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah like i don't know i think at one point we we're just talking about in vancouver how like you know, we're the only band playing super fast right now, and, the other, you know, we'll go on a show, and the other bands don't like us, like, let's call ourselves, you know, we should call the Elm Turf Wars, and, yeah. <laughs> the inside artwork has, like, us in an alley, mm-hmm. kind of playing it out with a bunch of, like, swoop hair kids, so, <laughs> it's just kind of like a, it's just kind of like a little inside joke. That is fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Doing battle with all the kids who are trying to rip off of the really whiny bands. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So did you guys, like... Like, you guys definitely didn't have that much for expectations. So, like, to have kids shouting, like, there ain't no party like a dagger mouth party because a dagger mouth party don't stop, like... Like, yeah, everywhere was... you go, man. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was weird. Like by the time Turf Wars came out, like you know, the steam was pretty behind us. We were because we never had like like our labels never really helped us at all. We never had a booking agent. Um, yeah, you know, like all this shit was like done by me. Like just booking. Like I'd be on a tour already, booking the next tour. And, you know, it was sweet, like, towards the end, we had a couple bands, like, uh, I'm the Avalanche took us out a few times on tour, and Comeback Kid took us out for a little Western Canada run, but, you know, it was mostly just us by ourselves, but we, by by the time, like, Turf Wars was around, we were at a point where anywhere we'd go in the States 
we were like we'd play like some mill of fucking nowhere town. Sorry, I didn't mean swear, but yeah, some mill. Dude, mill and- no worries. You can swear <laughs> all you want. Yeah, fuck yeah. Um, but yeah, we- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'd play anywhere, and there'd be like a hundred and fifty kids showing up to like yeah someone's basement or some like someone's you know a little shitty like VFW hall and stuff. So yeah, the steam started rolling really good, which was awesome, and then. And then came the demise. <laughs> well, it happens, right? Like we we went so hard, so fast, and you know we were working really, really hard, and I don't know. We just you know we saw other bands going to Europe, and other bands were you know signing to big labels, and our labels were just kind of useless at the time. So yeah, it kind of got heartening. And like the last two years, we were a band. We were on the road for like eight months a year so you know playing in like a diy punk band you know being in our mid-20s you know we're all getting serious girlfriends and stuff at the time and yeah it was hard to be away and yeah and you're coming home with no money and you're living on like dudes couches in between and stuff and (laughs) i think this everyone and we're kind of like fuck it it happens though, as it is. It, it can take a toll, like mentally and physically, because yeah, it's it. It's like, like you're constantly sleeping on floors, couches, and yeah, we slept in definitely some gross conditions. I remember one day in like this is in like northern Ontario or something like that. We stayed at some punk house, and the mattress was literally. I had to like brush off like cigarette butts off it and stuff. It was gross. <laughs> oh. That is nasty. Uh, but uh, you, you definitely sometimes get like a rad house though, where you know some kid will be like, "Oh, you can stay at our place," and you'd be like, "Oh, okay." And then you'd find out he lived with his parents, and they're out of town, and they had, he had a swimming pool and stuff. Like once in a while, those will pop up, and it'll be like, "Yeah," you know, you go there. <laughs> the the kid will be like, "Oh yeah, just drink my dad's beer," and you know, yeah, drink some beers, go for a swim, do the laundry. So those are always good, but most of the time it was some, like, punk house where a guy has, like, three giant dogs that are drooling and pissing everywhere. and it's like, yeah. <laughs> Pissing on your mattress and the shower's <laughs> always cold. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no toilet paper. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're trying to wipe your ass with the old frickin' cardboard cartons in the garbage can. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nice. So, in between, like, the band, you guys ended up doing, like, quite a few things. Yeah. Yeah, Stu, uh, like, Dandon, once we broke up Dandon, our second drummer, he ended up uh, getting a degree. He's, like, a nurse now or something. He's really, like, smart and educated, which is surprising because... 10 years ago, I would have thought he would have been, like, he was the most likely of all of us to end up in jail, but he's, like, doing <laughs> awesome. I'm really proud of that guy. And, uh, yeah, Stu always had his, like, recording studio, and, you know, he had a, he, he, he's the king of starting a million different bands. He's really talented and stuff, and I don't know if he's just not focused or whatever, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, he's, like, one of the most talented writers out there, and you know, he his last band, Youth Decay, which they're still going. I think they're just taking a little break because of comeback hit and Daggermouth. Yeah. But 
Uh, so he did that. He also recorded the newest Comeback Kid album. Uh, Dana, who was our first bass player, he he's in he was in Carpenter and did some stuff with Living with Lions and stuff like that. So he's kept busy too. And uh, yeah, and I, I went the opposite direction. I went into pro wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, definitely. I've actually opened for Living with Lions and Youth Decay, so. Okay, sweet. Yeah, man. Uh, back when I was in Saskatchewan, I played in a punk band before I ended up shattering my wrist. Shit, how'd that happen? Uh, long story short, was riding a bike, car cut me off, I ended up flipping the bike, and had to put my hands out to try and save myself. Oh, jeez. Yep. <laughs> Uh, that's when I you, just, that's when you... I just got cleared to play music again, so... Oh, congrats, man. It. Yeah. Yes, man, <laughs> we'll play with you. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah, man. Sounds good to me. <laughs> where Where do you live right now? You're in Kamloops? I am in Kamloops right now, yeah. Ended up nice. moving here from Regina, Saskatchewan. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, Kamloops is a rad little town. I'm originally from a small town called 100 Mile House that's not too far from there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no way. <laughs> yeah, when when I was a kid, I used to I used to go to Kamloops and see like Mill and Colin play and Gob play, and there used to be some like pretty rad shows that would occasionally roll through Kamloops. Yeah, Gob actually came through in November. <gasps> oh, okay, nice. Yeah. Oh, that's Pretty rad. Sweet. Yeah, it's, yeah, they're still like keeping their roots to all those small town Canadian shows, so that's good for them. That's awesome. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like keeping true to it, which is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, one of them's touring with Sum 41 when he's not touring with them, so. Yeah, and I think Theo also has, like, a, I think he's, like, a recording guy, like, recording bands and stuff, too. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so let's get into a little bit about the pro wrestling. Yeah, let's when do it. Let's, uh, when did you originally get into pro wrestling? Like, what uh, was the moment you got into it? Like, what was the match or, like, the wrestler that made you, like, become a fan? Uh, I always loved it when I was a kid. Like, you know, when I, when I was a kid, I was, like, whenever. My parents moved around a lot. Before I moved to 100 Mile, my parents moved all over, like, the lower mainland a bunch and stuff. And... I was always a kid, new kid in school, and was always a bit of a bigger kid, so I was always ended up, like, getting into fights, and I was always the kid that would, you know, try the DDT on the kid while I'm fighting him and stuff like that. <laughs> and so I always loved wrestling ever since I was, like, like, probably since I was about five, I remember watching, like, Hulk Hogan, and, you know, my dad would always take me to see it live, and back before the pay-per-view days, they would set up a big screen and show, like you know, SummerSlam live and the WrestleMania's live at the P&E just on, like, a big movie screen. So I'd go watch those. And, and uh, yeah, I just always, always loved it. And then I kind of got out of it for a while. Like, you remember in the early 90s when, yeah. uh, you know, when there was, like, fucking Man Mountain Rock and just, like, the silly gimmicks, like the... Just when it just got, like, super ridiculous and people were from space and... Yeah, so, you know, I'm just starting to be a teenager then and, you know, that's when I started getting into, like, Nirvana and then Nirvana led into, like, No Effects and all that stuff. So I got really into, like, 
that's when I, I start getting into all the punk music and stuff. And yeah. then I started once like the the Monday Night Wars started, the whole WWE WCW thing. I started yeah. kind of watching that again. And then the match that made me say like holy fuck I got to do this. I got to learn to be a pro wrestler is when uh Mick Foley got thrown off the cage by the Undertaker. I was like <laughs> I got to do that. So <laughs> It's hilarious because yeah. that was one of the moments that made me do it too, and it's one of the reasons why my girlfriend hates the idea that I want to get involved with the business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah, that was one of the things. So you know, I I graduated in '99 and moved down to Vancouver from Hundred Mile House to start a wrestling career. And yeah, long story long story short, I ended up meeting a guy named uh rocket randy tyler who's kind of like a legendary local wrestler and he trained me up how to wrestle and i did that for a couple years just like local you know i'd go to portland yeah i worked with like roddy piper was kind of booking a company out there so i'd go out there with randy tyler and mike roselli who was another one of my trainers and go out there and do that and around 2002 2003 like I just started getting more back into music and Daggermouth started and so I kind of put the wrestling on a hold till till Daggermouth broke up and then mm-hmm. I remember thinking like man I still want to tour and travel but I just don't want to do it with four or five other dudes right now and yeah I was like, I'm going to get back into wrestling and so yeah that was you know I didn't become a star but I actually you know I got to tour to some like really cool places and stuff like places I never probably have a chance to do in music and stuff so yeah, yeah at all no doubt Yeah I was, I was able to go to like well I did uh one show in Japan for Tajiri who when he had his company run in I've been to Korea like I did four or five tours of Korea now and you know I don't know too many people that can like say they've been to you know south korea and traveled around and taken a bus and you know <laughs> gone yeah. to all these little korean towns and stuff and yeah hmm. so that was that was rad hmm. so yeah stoked on that nice yeah that's yeah, it it's like i'm just going through your matches and like you have a lot of like vancouver working with like the bollywood boys and davy boy smith and yeah 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 yeah, I was, I was lucky to, you know, it's sweet to see the Bollywood boys, all the, all the, you know, they always worked hard and everything, so they deserve what they're getting right now. It's good seeing them in the WWE and that, but yeah, I was, uh, yeah, I worked like Davey Richards, Davey Boy Smith, like a bunch of ROH guys and stuff. It's always, yeah, it was, it was good. It was always fun working, working those dudes. You'd always learn something, right? Because mm-hmm. those guys are at such a higher level than... The local guys yeah without a doubt yeah Sid is like definitely the bollywood boys are amazing sellers That's yeah thing, yeah like, i've noticed <laughs> yeah well they were uh I, I know harv i don't know which one he is in wwe i don't really watch wwe he's either yeah. i think they're called samir and sunil or something like yeah that. yeah they had to pick like the most obvious names yeah. Yeah, it's funny because I I remember telling them once, like, like, you know, you guys should go, like, because they always wanted to be more like, uh, you know, the Rockers or something like that. And I'm like, you guys should play up the East Indian heritage more. And 
oh no no we don't want to do that like we don't want to be stereotypical and then <laughs> now <laughs> now they're pretty stereotypical but i guess when money talks you do whatever <laughs> oh yeah without a doubt <laughs> yeah but harv harv took a break off wrestling for a while and uh he was actually in india doing like bollywood movies and stuff so uh yeah like he's he's a great actor and i'm sure mm-hmm. even I'm sure even once wrestling's done for them, I could see him getting back into acting and stuff. So, yeah, he was doing, like, huge Bollywood movies and stuff like that, I understand. So, that's good on him. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Good. Really yeah. good on him. So, what are your experiences like uh, with ROH? I know you've done a couple of dark matches for them. Yeah, I'm, I'm on... <clears throat> I think I'm on one or two of the DVDs as, like, the special match or whatever. It was... Uh, mm. Yeah, it was awesome. Like, uh, uh, I'm really good friends with Cal O'Reilly. Yeah. And, yeah, so there's a couple times when, you know, they're doing loops around, you know, kind of the War of the World tours and stuff like that, or whenever they come to Vegas and Cal would be like, just come down, you can, you know, hop in the car, meet some of the boys and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So uh, it was awesome. Like, me and him and Bobby Fish and shit, we'd just drive around and, you know, sometimes the, the driving around is always the best part, just shooting the shit about the business and stuff. And yeah, but uh, yeah, I I did a couple dark matches for ROH and that, and it was rad. They're you know they're a great company. Like you find out when you work there, they're not really because you see them on TV and they're doing these huge shows and stuff. But when they actually run things and stuff, it's it's not that much different from like a you know kind of your local indie show like you know they're kind of scattering around last minute trying to figure out last details and hurry up set the chairs up doors are opening in 10 minutes but you know Mm. it was uh yeah it was cool i gotta you know step in the ring and do some shows for them and you know i think because where i live you know western canada is kind of like it's kind of the worst place to live if you are a pro wrestler, you know what I mean? Unless you're going to Japan all the time, but uh Yeah. There's not really that many big indies around here. And there's some in California, but just li- you know, living in BC, mm-hmm. the flights are so expensive and everything. So, you know, I think they were interested in me like I did a tryout for them, like I went to a Ring of Honor, won their little Ring of Honor tryout camps and stuff, and they really liked me and Yeah that and they kind of mentioned like oh man i wish you you know if you definitely moved out to the midwest or moved, lived in the states you know we'd use you and you know at that time like i'm in my 30s now i'm not gonna unless i get a contract i'm not gonna like uproot the family for like indie wrestling yeah, you know yeah I mean? exactly like, <laughs> so yeah uh... I can understand that for sure. I kind of want to keep things a little bit grounded and yeah, like trust me, Vancouver is so expensive right now. I, I definitely wouldn't mind leaving it if the opportunity came up, but uh, mm-hmm. definitely got to leave it. You know, I need something a little more secure than <laughs> than like indie uh, wrestling. Yeah, yeah. On the well, we would like to use you if you moved out, like. Yeah. Would you, would you like to, or would you really, really like to? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah. But it's all good. Like, uh, yeah, other than that, I've just been, you know, doing little 
little indie matches around and stuff like that. And I started my own company about a year ago, but then the city shut that down. And oh, really? Yeah, I was doing, uh, I started a company called Wise Pro Wrestling. And yeah. I, we ran like three or four shows, me and my buddy Tom. And it was awesome. It was rad because it was, you know, always like Vancouver's a big city, but no one's really taking advantage. Like there's two local wrestling companies around here, but you know, they don't advertise. They don't, you know, like they're just kind of both carny, I guess is the word for it. And, you know, I was like, you know, I was like, let's run a show with like in a bar and, you know, like more of a, you know, where like dudes like you and me will go out and have, you know, because the, the thing with the other companies, I don't know if it's polite to say, but a lot of the crowd is uh, kind of your hills have eyes people, whereas, <laughs> whereas like, you know, <laughs> let's have, like, wrestling show where, like, on a Friday night, you want to bring your friends out and have, you know, drink some beers and kind of have more like a punk rock atmosphere and stuff with it. And, yeah, why you know, not? Yeah, and they were going good. And then uh, right before my show last December, like, just over a year now, uh, the city wrote me on like 48 hours notice and, was like, and they literally said like, oh, I see you're running wrestling show and I see it's doing good. We want to start making you get the same licenses as as an MMA company. And I'm like, well, pro wrestling is very different from MMA. And they're like, yeah, very different. you just got to pay us money. Like they're basically like, you know, some new lady got a job in the permits department in the city of Vancouver and just decided to, like, home in on pro wrestling. Like, that was just her enemy, you know? Like We, we, we need more money, so... Yeah, so once it's... You know, I was just kind of doing it for fun and stuff. And, mm-hmm. you know, once I have to get, like, higher security companies... Like, I was like, all the bars I work at, you know, all have bouncers and stuff. Like, all the bars that I'm running... Oh Why no, you that uh, work. <laughs> yeah, and they're like, oh no, you have to. It has to be like a Vancouver certified security company, like you know. So now you're stuck paying like a thousand dollars to some security company, and you know, then you got to get special events permits from the city, and it's like, well, it's no different than kind of running a play or something, which mm-hmm. you know, use do, and I don't know. The lady was just a cunt, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I was just That's like, fuck fair enough. Up. Uh, yeah the desert tiger podcast all right don't worry we still have a lot more coming with ken lush we're gonna talk to him about working with the likes of kyle o'reilly and the queen of spades Shayna baszler we're gonna talk to him about why exactly the glendale police department hates Daggermouth so much and we're going to get into why Daggermouth decided to get back together and play music. But before we can get to that, we need to take care of a little bit of business and play a little bit more music. So, you guys already heard me tell you at the beginning of the show that if you use the code DTP when you're shopping at the Collar and Elbow web store, you're going to save yourself 10% off. What I didn't tell you is that some of these items, some of these fantastic pieces of clothing are already on 20 to 50% off. Some items are even 66% off. If you guys want to cop the Planet of the Capes Shane Helm shirt, that's 50% off right now. If you want the collar and elbow towel, 
that's 50%, just a solid 599 right now. If you guys want the collar and elbow beanie, you can save yourself 20% off right now. And then you can also get any of the New Year's 2018 shirts, including the female army tank, which is very stylish. And you can even get your hands on the basic mirror on white shirt for $15. All of this, plus you can save an extra 10% off any of these items by using the code DTP when you're checking out. So what is there to lose? It's all gain, you're saving yourself money, plus you're supporting great wrestlers and the Desert Tiger Podcast. Alright, for our middle song of the show today, we are going to play another song by Daggermouth, of course. So this is You Do This is a Fad. We Do This is a Lifestyle. You guys know what time it is. It's time for our Audible Audiobook of the Week, which is brought to you by www.audible.com DTP, where if you go right now, if you type that in right now, 
you'll get yourself one free month of Audible and one free audiobook to get you started. And maybe you want to use that one free audiobook on a book like The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. If you're someone who likes listening to motivational books or speeches or likes reading all those self-help new agey type things, but you're getting a little bit sick of all the snake oil salesmen that tell you that positivity is going to get you through everything and is going to solve all your problems, then let me tell you, the subtle art of not giving a fuck is definitely for you. This book tells it how it is and tells you that the bad comes with the good and you can't always have good, so quit beating yourself up. It's a very good look at how the social media driven loops of our minds are creating the depression and sad states that a lot of our world is in today. It's an incredible look at why you should choose what fucks to give and how to carefully decide where to give those fucks. So once again, if you want to get a great audiobook like The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, you can do so by going to www.audible.com slash DTP. Once again, that is www.audible.com slash DTP for one free month of Audible, as well as one free audiobook. And if you guys like Audible enough after that free trial that you decide to keep the Audible service, Audible's going to go and give you a second audiobook for free on the house, thanks to us, your boys, the DTP. The Desert Tiger Podcast. Oh, that's fair enough. All right, you got to yeah. wrestle Kyle O'Reilly in one of his last matches, actually, before he made his WWE debut. Yeah, yeah he, still, like, he grew up out here, so he has family out here, and he was coming back to visit for a little bit, and he just... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was awesome. I got to wrestle, like, yeah, probably one of his last matches before he went off to NXT. Yeah, like, sixth or seventh last match. Yeah, so that was uh, that was really awesome, you know. Nice. Yeah, it's always good to, like, you know, when you wrestle a friend, you always end up hitting each other a little bit harder. I think that's just the, you know, I think if you respect mm-hmm. someone wrestling, you end up hitting them a little harder, you know what I mean? Just because it's like, yeah. like, Cody, or, uh, Sorry, I'm watching Ring of Honor. <laughs> Cody just came on, but uh, Kyle, Kyle's like a brother to me, so you know we laid into each other pretty good stuff. But yeah, it was a, it was a really fun match. Nice, that's good. It's good yeah. to hear that you enjoyed it. Yeah. Right. So, how did you end up getting into a uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu? Oh, probably like oh eight years ago or something like that. Is just kind of like you know I wanted to keep. You know, ah, maybe about six years ago or so. I just I keep more, you know, I was like, man, what's some training I can do for pro wrestling? But like, I'm tired of just going into the gym five days a week and just lifting weights, you know, for an hour. It's kind of getting tedious, and I never like going to the gym. It's really hard to go, and you know, I was like, man, I should learn some jujitsu and stuff like that. And I ended up finding there was a guy in town named Jason Crawford who just kind of for fun ran like a little catch wrestling club out of a community center and started going there. And he was, uh, you know, teaching me 
the catch wrestling, which is like, you know, a lot of neck cranks and toe holds. And I, I call mm-hmm. it like a more violent jujitsu for people that don't really know. And I, uh, yeah, I just started doing that just to kind of offset my pro wrestling training. And I did a couple, you know, local competitions and won. I won like the West Coast submission series and, you know, kind of a bunch of, I don't know, I probably got like eight medals hanging up or something like that. So, yeah, it was good. And, you know, eventually, eventually after, you know, as I get a little older, the bones are hurting a little more and stuff. So I don't really do it too much anymore, especially now with the music and stuff. But, uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, it, it was awesome. And I even got to go to Japan to partake in this uh, submission arts wrestling tournament and i got gold in that and uh that was also where i kind of had like my one and only kind of mma fight (laughs) over there too so that was a bit of an experience so that was fun nice yeah definitely sounds like it would be a good time yeah it was nerve-wracking at the time being in you know japan all by myself and Mm -hmm. you know having a having to worry about fighting some dude but it was uh yeah but it was good i can i can understand where that fear comes from yeah (laughs) (laughs) strange man in a strange land yeah yeah it's always weird like you know a lot of the a lot of the time with wrestling you know you'll get an email like for example like these korean tours that i do like you get an email and it's like, oh, are you available, blah, blah, blah. And you work out details, and it's like, sure. And I remember my first tour of Korea. They're like, okay, we'll send you airfare. And so I waited and waited. And I even when I went to bed that night, the night before I was supposed to go, I didn't have my my airfare. And I was like, holy shit. Like, I don't know. I guess I'll wake up at 6 a.m. and start getting ready and see if it's there. And I woke up and the next morning it was, you know, my flight was sitting in my inbox. So I was like, oh shit. So I rushed off to the airport and, you know, you get on this plane, you don't really know what to expect. You hope someone's waiting for you at the airport when you get there and, you know, but, uh, you know, it's, it's super fun also. That's why I like, it's funny now that I'm touring a couple guys in my band, they're like, well, what's going to happen? Who's going to meet us at the airport? What's going on? And it's like, dude. Just chill out. We got our flights. It's an adventure, you know? <laughs> Everything. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of love that. That's one of my favorite favorite things in life is to just go on a plane, go somewhere and get off and not really know what to expect or anything, but always leads <laughs> to a fun, fun adventure. It usually does, without a doubt. <laughs> <laughs> ah, all right. So did you learn anything from... The Queen of Spades herself while in your time working with her? Oh, Shayna Baszler, yeah. I was kind of stoked to, to... Some of her earliest stuff in wrestling was with uh, with me. Yeah, there's this local company in town, and they were running like a big special event, and I convinced them. At first, they were like, no one will know who she is. And I was like, nah, no, nah, it's a good idea. You should do this. And, and uh, yeah, I got her booked on the on the show first as my manager and then she attacked uh, another female wrestler from here and kind of led into an angle. But uh, yeah, she was, I didn't really do any like jujitsu training or any, or like okay. catch training or anything, but, uh, but yeah, she's, she's a rad person. It's good to see all her, all her hard work 
paying off and and uh yeah she's out in florida too now nxt ripping it up so i got a bunch of friends out there (laughs) (laughs) all right you happen to mention that the band is going to be traveling soon so let's bring it back into dagger mouth what made you guys end up deciding to get back together and give it another go uh we've talked about it over the years and i think a big part of it is you know over the years we'd have some like pretty sweet offers to get back together and we're always like nah fuck that or you know someone wasn't into it or whatever but over the years i think we kind of started to miss each other and as when we broke up like i didn't talk to Stu for years you know there's probably at a time if i ran into him on the street i probably would have beat him half to death so it's uh <laughs> And then slowly over the years, it's like you think of all the fond memories. It's like, ah, yeah. And and, uh, Dandon, the drummer, was actually the main guy that, you know, he was always trying to get it back together. And he he would keep in touch with me every few months. Like, hey, man, how are you? Just checking in. And, you know, and eventually, you know, this this kind of time last year, he wrote me and, and Stu and was like, Hey, so Pooza Fest in Montreal, they're wondering if we want to get back together and and do a set. And, you know, we were finally like, and Dana was down to play bass, who was our first bass player. And mm-hmm. it just kind of worked out. And, you know, we we're like, fuck yeah, let's do it finally. You know, let's. Because we, we invested so much time in this band. And then to have it end up falling apart the way it did, it kind of felt like, fuck. Like, at least to me, it feels like my whole 20s was kind of a waste, right? And Yeah. Now, yeah, so it's, you know, that it's it's cool to get back together and, you know, travel with, our, with my friends and, you know, end things on a high note, I guess, right? Like, you know, we're playing places we always wanted to play but never got a chance to and, you know, mm-hmm. doing doing some rad festivals that we didn't get a chance to ever do before and stuff so yeah it's been it's been awesome we just decide yeah for puza fest like okay let's let's do it and then you know we start practicing we did a vancouver show and then the next week flew out and did like toronto and montreal for puza and we've just kind of been booking stuff steady since we i don't think we're gonna ever hop in the van again like we kind of like i don't we're definitely not gonna buy a van you know, if we need one, we'll just rent one. And I don't, I don't think, I think at this point we've all kind of clued in that anything more than two weeks is probably not, you know, like we know each other, you know, when you have a good buddy, but it's like, man, I don't want to hang out with that guy every weekend. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, I can understand that. (laughs) Yeah. So, and especially now as we're adults, you know, it's, you know, it's a lot easier to kind of read people and stuff like that. So yeah, we've just been doing kind of keeping busy, but not busy at the same time. It's weird. Like in, you know, September we had like a little Western Canada run where we played, you know, we flew in and did Alberta and Winnipeg. And then, you know, the week after that or the month after that, we had the fest in Florida. And then we had Japan in November for like five days and, and uh oh yeah we also at some point went to newfoundland during the summer like in july and what else did we do yeah after after japan we did la in december 
just flew in for that. So it's been cool. Like promoters have been getting a hold of us and we're just kind of, you know, we kind of consider ourselves a vacation band now, right? It's like, you know, we'll come out there, just pay for our flights and a hotel room and <laughs> let us sell merch and, you know, we'll do it up. So yeah, it's been, it's been rad. Like, I don't know if we're ever going to hop in the van again and, you know, do a lot of the buttfuck nowhere towns and stuff like that. But, you know, I kind of, I even want to do like, a, you know, it'd be fun to get over to Vancouver Island for a weekend and, you know, even do, I don't know, I don't know how Gob did up in Cologne or, or in Kamloops or anything, but it'd be fun to go up there and do like a little Kamloops show or Kelowna show and all that stuff. But yeah, I'm sure, I'm right sure now, they would love to see you. Yeah. Right now we're just doing, uh, uh, we got in April, we're finally getting over to the UK. We were supposed to do it like years and years and years ago when we were active. And I remember someone hit us up and emailed us. And I, I noticed there's posters up on MySpace, like, you know, certain towns like, oh, yeah, Dagger Mouse coming. But I couldn't get a hold of the guy that was booking the tour. And I didn't, you know, I didn't have any idea about money and van rental like the guy just kind of like abandoned on us i didn't know so i'm sure in the end it was just some kid that was like you should tour here and i was like yeah i'd love to and next thing you know he started booking shows and Hmm. you know finally i was like fuck i don't know who's booking these but we're not going over there because we (laughs) (laughs) but yeah the uk's always liked us like it's people have been writing us that from there from years and stuff so it's awesome we're gonna go over there and do that finally for like a week. And then this band from France called Hightower wrote us. They're like, Oh, do you want to do, we love you guys. Why don't you come do some mainland Europe with us? We'll take you guys out and, you know, get you a van rental and all that stuff. So yeah, it is just a good opportunity to finally go over to Europe. So April, I'm stoked to do that. Yeah. Without a doubt, it should be a good time. Yeah. So, and the UK is so fucking expensive. I think it was the only way I'd ever be able to go see it, to be honest. You know, the pound is just so much more than the Canadian dollar. So. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit ridiculous. So to be, able to, to be able to make a business trip out of it definitely helps. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so I don't know. It, uh, it's pretty, I don't know, I'm stoked to get over there finally. It's going to be good. The Little Rockets records over in the UK is re-releasing Turf Wars on vinyl. So we'll go over there and hopefully sell a bunch of records for that guy. And, and uh, yeah. yeah, I'm pretty stoked. I might have to try and track one of those down. <gasps> yeah. Sure. Yeah, we had Animal Style Records printed a bunch of our vinyl back in the day, but they all sold out super quick. That was like, we were broken up and... You know, he's like, oh, I'm going to press some vinyl. I don't even know if it'll sell, though. I just want to, you guys should just have vinyl. And I remember, like, the first pressing sold out in, like, two days or something like that. So, yeah, and we haven't really had vinyl since. So it'll be good to get the shit back out on record. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Hopefully I can get my hands on that. Do you guys plan on recording anytime in the future any more Dagger Mouth material or Yeah, we're we got a we went in the Tusty studio and did one song just kind of in between 
like uh, we were before we went to Newfoundland this summer. Dandon was in town, so we could practice, and he went into the studio and laid the drums down, and we finished up the song. So uh, we we played it in L.A., and the kids seemed to like it. And uh, yeah, we're just kind of sending that song around right now to labels, and you know, just trying to figure things out. But yeah, new songs are definitely in the works, and hopefully, a new album out by the end of the year. So if if you're listening to this, kids and there's a label that you like, like Fat Records. I want Fat Records to put it out. So <laughs> tweet, at them. tweet at them. Tell them put out the new Dagger Mouth. But yeah, it's it's kind of, you know, our last chance, last maybe kick at the bucket, you know. It'd be awesome mm-hmm. to, you know, do one more record and tour a bunch on it and go all over the world and stuff. And yeah. So awesome. yeah, new songs are in the works. They'll, they'll have song titles again and all that shit. So, you know, we haven't really matured mentally at all over the years. So it'll still be, still be fun. We're not changing our sound. We're not gonna be playing through combo amps and wearing sweaters on stage and shit like that. So it's gonna be just fast punk rock again. <laughs> <laughs> Solid. Solid. Yeah. All right. Do you have any uh, stories from your time on the road? Any interesting tales? Mm. From Daggermouth? Uh, well, we have that one song. Called... Yeah. Um, base... Yeah, once we were... We have that song called Glendale PD Hates Daggermouth, and that's actually because like the Glendale Police Department has pulled guns out on us twice. <gasps> Yeah, once we were once we were staying at this kid's house, and he, he was kind of like, you know, he had a maid, and you know, it was kind of a ritzy area of of Vancouver, and I mean, of L.A. And we were we're loading our shit into the van, and uh, you know, I kind of popped open the money box in the van to start counting money and getting gas money and breakfast money ready for everyone, and. Next thing you know, you see these cops in the rearview mirrors. They're, you know, guns drawn coming up, and these cops end up get out, get out, get out. And we're like, what the fuck's going on? And I guess one of the neighbors saw us just kind of loading. You know, we looked all scrubby and showed mm-hmm. us loading stuff into the van. And next thing you know, I'm counting money, and and uh, some lady thought they thought we robbed the place. So, you know, they had us all guns drawn and our, you know, faces in the ground and. Uh, the maid of the place we're staying in was like, no, no, there are, there are guests, there are guests, please, like, they're not robbing, <laughs> they're not criminals, so, you know, the cops were like, you know, the cops were like, okay, um, you know, they hummed and hawed for a minute, and then they're like, oh, weird, we're, we ran the plates, this is a stolen vehicle, and it's obviously not a stolen vehicle, because if it was, how the hell would we get across the border like five days earlier, right? And, yeah, exactly. You know, so so they're like, ah, oh, you know, this is a stolen vehicle. And we're like, fuck, it's not stolen. You know, they basically had, like, were hassling us for 40 minutes. At one point, they were like, oh, we're going to have to go through we're going to have to go through the van and they basically start going through everything, like all our pockets of our, you know, our coats and everything that was in the van. And, and, and the most amazing part is on the dash was a, a box of band-aids, which really had no band-aids in it. It had some weed. (laughs) 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 They went went through everything. 
except that one box. It was fucking amazing. But, uh, yeah, so they just ended up hassling us for about 45 minutes. And finally they got a call on the radio, I remember, that's like, there was some big car chase happening and stuff, and the cops basically like looked at each other and they literally said, "Oh, let's do that. That sounds better." And they were just like, "Yep, yeah, have fun." They got up, they got in their cars, and fucking went off to some car chase or something. It was, it was, is is crazy, but yeah. And then the other time we're the other time we're just buying some beer and walking back to a place we're staying at in Glendale, and cops pulled up and apparently someone that looked like us robbed a store. <laughs> so, you know, they had the guns on us again. And, you know, that one wasn't as long of an ordeal. We were just like, no, we're, here's our IDs. We're just going to this place. And they let us go. But, yeah, it's kind of... Apparently, if you look scruffy <laughs> yeah. in Glendale, you're getting, yeah. you're getting guns pulled on you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, those cops are gnarly there, man. I don't want to mess with them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't want to end up on the news that way. Yeah. But, huh. oh, that's funny. So what are some of your interests outside of punk music and pro wrestling? Oh, man. I don't know. I uh, I got chihuahuas, so I like to, like, chill out with my chihuahuas and walk around um also i like to eat food food's a big interest i like traveling me and the me and the wife travel a bunch when i'm not touring and all that stuff but yeah we try to do like one or two big vacations a year if we can find cheap enough airfare and stuff so mm-hmm. yeah we go to europe or you know vietnam and stuff like that traveling's really fun i just don't like being stuck I think out of all these things that I do in life, it's just because I hate being stuck around, you know, I couldn't imagine just working a nine to five where you get like two weeks vacation a year. And you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I like to travel around. I don't know. I understand I that. Yeah. Like if I wasn't married, I'd probably just go teach English in some weird random world, you know, like some weird random country every year or something like that you know so i think that's just how i am that's understandable that's yeah. understandable but all right before i ask uh one last question of you where sure. can people find you um we're on facebook uh daggermouth ca is our like facebook.com slash daggermouth ca is our official page. Uh, we got a band camp, like daggermouth.bandcamp.com. Uh, I took all the rights back from the old labels and stuff, so... Nice. You know, I put all the shit up on Spotify and iTunes and stuff like that, so if you just search Daggermouth there, and yeah, that's probably the, probably the best way. And I'm on Twitter at Kenneth A. Lush. So right. that's where awesome. people can get a hold of me. Yeah, and we're on the Instagram, Daggermouth604, maybe, on the Instagram. Okay. Yeah. All right, sick. Yeah. Easy to find. All right. All Get right. a hold. Yeah, man. <laughs> Last question for Kenny Rush. Yeah. Kenny Lush. Here we go. Who were your high school idols? Ooh. 
definitely my before I got into high school, my idol was Axl Rose. Um, <laughs> when I was eleven and twelve, my high school idols would probably be like, man, definitely Mick Foley. Nice and music wise. I don't know. Always like Fat Mike, you know what I mean? Like he runs his own record company. He never, never sold out. He, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. I think, I think Mick Foley and Fat Mike. I think those two would, I'd say, would have to be my high school idols. <laughs> two, two guys who like sticking to their guns and yeah, doing it their way. That's awesome. I actually am just finishing up uh, Countdown to Lockdown by Mick Foley. Oh, nice. Yeah. His, his first book is like a Bible to me, man. Like the the very first book he put out. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. He's he's an amazing writer. I'm hoping to book him when he's coming out here in April, I think. Yeah, is he doing uh is he doing like a talking thing around cuz I know he's coming in for uh Invasion Championship Wrestling, which yeah, runs I'd... that he's wrestling like uh they're going to be doing shows in Kelowna and Vernon coming up. They're a rad company to work for. Like, if you're a local BC wrestler, those are the shows you want to aim to get on every year. Nice. But uh, yeah, they always bring in like rad old WWE guys and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. yeah, Foley's doing this one. So, it, but he's doing a speaking thing around then too. I'm not sure. I'm gonna try and book him for an interview if I can. But I don't oh, know rad. Sure if he, I'm not sure if he is doing a speaking thing or not. Yeah, yeah, I'm not. Yeah, because sometimes he'll kind of do like the comedy thing around there and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, if you need a, awesome. yeah, if you need a number, like I know the promoter that's bringing them in. So if, once we're off air, if you need to get a hold, I got that guy's contact. If you need well, it first, that would be fantastic because I'm also yeah. planning on becoming a referee and maybe a manager and an announcer. Well, be careful what you wish for. The pro wrestling world is a uh, very cunning world. <laughs> I see. So, I always warn everyone before they get into it that it's, uh, you know, sometimes like it, you know, people are wrestling fans and they get into the world of it. And next thing you know, they're like, I hate wrestling. I can't watch it anymore. And it's like, yep, it, it'll do that to you. But uh, it's like, I'm not sure if I want to get into the actual wrestling, but it's like at least just a little bit of refereeing here and there. I think I'm refing my next match or my first match next weekend. Oh, rad. For what company? Um, TTPW, uh, Top Talent Pro Wrestling. They used to be something else out in Calgary. Oh, okay. All the way out there. Yeah, um, they're bringing in Davy Boy and Al Snow, so I'm probably going to run oh, up sick. there and grab a couple interviews, hopefully, and I'm going to be roughing a couple matches. Nice, perfect, man. Well, good luck. Yeah. Let me know how that goes. Definitely well, definitely well. All right, thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, thank you, man. I appreciate it. No problem at all. The Desert Tiger Podcast. All right, a big ups. Mad respect and huge thank you goes out to Kenny Lush for joining us here on episode 21 of the Desert Tiger podcast. We're very thankful for Kenny for stopping in and sharing his stories about Daggermouth, how they got started, what ended up leading to their hiatus, 
and how they ended up getting back together, as well as their upcoming plans, like their upcoming tour of the UK. So if you live in the UK, you guys should definitely look that up, where they're going, and see if they're anywhere near you. We also are very thankful for him for sharing his stories about pro wrestling and Brazilian jiu-jitsu, as well as the overall hilarity he just brought to the show. Thank you so much, Kenny. We also have to give a big thank you to Melanie K for helping set up this interview. Melanie is an awesome PR person, and if you're looking for someone to represent you PR-wise, Melanie is kick-ass, and I would highly recommend her. She has helped set up two of our interviews so far, this one including our interview with The Real Mackenzies, which if you haven't heard it, I would highly recommend going back and listening to, because they had some awesome stories. I also need to thank you guys, the listeners for continually listening to us on Spotify, iTunes, CastBox, Stitcher, Castify. Apparently we're available on 40 separate services, so I'm not going to be able to name all of those because that's extremely hard to remember. We're available, we have been listened to in over 10 different countries on 4 different continents so far. So thank you guys so much for tuning in around the world as we continue to take over the world with our Desert Tiger Roar. So if you guys haven't already hit that subscribe button, or if you haven't already reviewed or rated the show, please do so, as it helps us out so much. And if you guys want to support the show a little bit more, you can support any of the great sponsors that we listed earlier in the show, as that helps us out a lot. So... As you know, we always got to leave you off with a bit of a quote, a little bit of something for motivation, a little bit something to get you going, to get you through the rest of the week, to get you through your weekend, and whatever else you need to tackle. So this is a quote from the late, great John F. Kennedy. Those who dare to fail miserably can achieve greatly. The Desert Tiger Podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review. iTunes, Google Play Music, and Stitcher. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Thanks for listening.